0: Hello again. Um, The subject of our talk today is understanding and managing stress and in which we will try to answer uh, uh, the following important questions. The first question we'll try to answer today is what is the main difference between stress and challenge? The second question will be is what are the effects (coughs) of stress on health? The third question will be how the stress response is triggered in our mind and body. And the following question would be what are the three stages of stress um, response? The following question, the fifth one would be, what is the special stress response which is called tend and befriend? And the following question would be, what are the mental effects of stress? And we will cover in answering this question, uh, um, the nature uh, of the post-traumatic stress disorder. The following question we try to answer today is what is the transactional theory of stress and coping? And finally and most importantly today we will answer the most important question which may be in the mind of every one of us which is what are the best scientific approaches to cope with stress? And now we will try to start answering our first question which we mentioned uh, earlier. The first question is what is the main difference between stress and challenge? The same stressful event can lead to different physical and psychological effects on different people. This is why some people seem to thrive on stress as they see it as a sort of challenge but not as a stressor and others become debilitated by the consequences of confronting the stress. In fact, helping people to respond to stressful events in a more realistic and adaptive way can lead to better physical and mental uh, well-being as our mode of perception, I repeat, as our mode of perception is the main deciding factor of how we are going to formulate a response towards a threat which is perceived as a stressor. And our perception will decide how we perceive any sort of danger, any sort of threat, and any other stressful event in our life. And our perception will decide how we look at it as being a challenge or as being a stressful debilitating phenomenon now we need now to move to the answering um, uh, the second question which is what are the causes of stress as we explained our perception look in different Um, uh, from different angles towards the stressor which may be looked at as a challenge and sometimes looked at as being a debilitating uh, phenomenon uh, which may lead to uh, severe detrimental effects on our lives. But many factors in our life can cause stress One of the major sources of stress in our uh, in our lives is uh, um, our relationships with our societal networks. For example, conflict with friends, family members, and spouses all cause stress. Even good events like having a newborn baby into your family can also creates stress. The reason is that change from what we are used to is always stressful, and even welcome changes like getting married can disrupt our existing lives in many ways. Moreover, for most people work demands, which may become sometimes very excessive and unlimited, involves stress as well. And beyond our immediate personal and professional environment, factors within the broader environment also contribute to stress. This can include long-term stresses, such as living in a, com- a community with high levels of crime, noise, or pollution. It can also include short term events that can be particularly stressful, such as natural disasters, which will increase in frequency. And magnitude all around the globe in the very near future due to the looming catastrophe of a climate collapse, which is called climate change by its climate catastrophe and collapse, as a result of the uncontrolled global CO2 emissions and the shameful reluctance of humanity to tackle this crisis urgently. So in the near future, we will see an increase in the um, frequency and magnitude of these uh, phenomenal, stressful events, which will come uh, and uh, uh, in parallel with uh, the disastrous Uh, climate catastrophe we are about to see in the uh, uh, following few years. Now uh, going back to the subject of our talk today, um, we need now to answer um, the important question of what are the effects of stress on our health. Well all of us know that Um, Stress is not good for our health, but we will go uh, deeper. Regardless of the specific factors that are causing stress, stress can be directly damaging to uh, every part of our body and mind. People who are under stress have a greater risk of developing many different illnesses and diseases, including peptic and duodenal ulcers, diabetes, osteoarthritis, gastrointestinal disorders, such as irritable bowel syndrome, which is known as IBS, in addition to asthma, headache, including uh, migraine, hives, back pain, and most importantly, stress is closely correlated with increased incidence of cardiovascular diseases, including high blood pressure, which is called the silent killer, and coronary artery disease, which increases the risk of having a heart attack and sudden uh, heart arrest. In some cases, experiencing stress may lead to potentially fatal consequences. For example, stress-induced cardiomyopathy refers to a medical condition first observed in the early 1990s in which a person shows the typical symptoms of a heart attack after a stressful uh, um, experience. This condition, which is a very unique one, which is informally known also um, as a broken heart syndrome, is brought on by a surge of stress hormones leading to severe chest pain and trouble breathing which are the main uh, signs of uh, having a heart attack. However these symptoms are triggered by an intense physical or emotional event not by a clot that blocked one of the coronary arteries in the heart or uh, by a hemorrhage in one of these coronary arteries in the classical type of heart attacks. In some cases, broken heart syndrome can be fatal um in 2014 in a stu- in a study uh, published in the journal of the American Medical Association found that people aged 60 and uh, over who experienced the death of a spouse were two times more likely to experience a heart attack or stroke in the month in the month following this loss Than married people who did not experience this kind of tragic loss. Now, uh, we will move to answer uh, the following um, question we uh, discussed in uh, the beginning, which is how the stress response is uh, triggered in our body and mind. In the domain, Of stress. There has been always an evolutionary problem within the human species, bodies and minds. And this evolutionary problem stemmed from the fact that our evolutionary body's natural physiological stress response is designed to help us to respond to extreme life-threatening situations. Like when a person is being chased by a an angry lion. Or in a um, situation, uh, um, a terrible situation like a combat during wars. Nonetheless, this evolutionary natural physiological stress response which is an essential part of how our brains are hardwired is not helpful always in the environment which is Uh, rich in the complexities, rich by the complexities of our modern life. And these complexities of our modern life led the humans to show the same physiological stress reaction, even in situations that are not actually life-threatening, like being chased by a hungry lion. But but we show these situations in simple situations which are maybe not easy to be handled, like excessive demands at work or difficulties (coughs) in maintaining smooth relationships with family members or friends or co-workers. In fact, the physiological stress reaction happens unconsciously when we are faced with these non-life-threatening scenarios, even when this response would not facilitate the resolution of the problem we are facing by any meaningful sense. So we the humans in our modern life we use the same physiological responses we inherited from our evolutionary uh, um, uh, root and we use the same physiological response that our ancestors the hunter-gatherer ancestors used and what was suitable and Um, very important for their survival during the evolution phase of our race, the the Homo sapiens, may not be um, helpful in our modern complex uh, life scenarios. This unconscious physiologic stress reaction happens when we first notice any kind of threat which triggers in turn the immediate stimulation of our sympathetic nervous system as well as our endocrine system leading to rapid secretion into the bloodstream and increase in the serum concentration of two hormones. We immediately secrete these two hormones in a huge amount and increase their concentration in our blood serum. These two hormones are adrenaline, which is also called epinephrine in North America, and noradrenaline, which is called norepinephrine in North America. We we secrete this huge amount of adrenaline and noradrenaline into our bloodstream stream when we perceive a threat. And we need to mention uh, the work of the physiologist uh, Walter Cannon, who worked in the early uh, um, uh, 1900s and who demonstrated that increases in uh, uh, adrenaline and adrenaline in the bloodstream activate the cardiovascular system so more blood is directed to the brain and muscles and this this uh, 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 more the more blood of, uh, which comes to the brain and muscles prepares the individual to either fight off. A threat or run away from it, which is commonly known as the fight or flight response. This original fight or flight uh, uh, model was extended <coughs> in the uh, uh, in 1936 um, by the Hungarian endocrinologist Hans. Sily and um, it, uh, um, who described that not just our immediate response to a threat, but there is the in his according to his description, he, he um, described the stages the body goes through over time when we. Um, um, respond to uh, a stressful uh, event. In his model, what, uh, which was known as the general adaptation um, um, model, he described uh, three stages um, um, of what Selye uh, 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 was the first to call A stress. So he, in 1936, he uh, divided our response to stressful events into three main stages, and he was actually the first person to uh, call what we call now a stress response. Call it by this name. Now, we need uh, uh, um, uh, to embark on um, the uh, model of this prominent scientist and try to um, uh, uh, answer the question we mentioned earlier, which is what are the three stages of stress response? The first stage in the stress response is the fight or flight, which we mentioned earlier, but this is the model. We need to uh, to imagine it as a a uh, um, uh, a response which has three components. This is the first component, which is also sometimes known as the alarm stage. In this stage, the body is mobilizing all of its resources to do whatever is necessary to fight off or escape from the immediate threat. During this phase both adrenaline and noradrenaline or epinephrine and uh, norepinephrine are released into the bloodstream triggering increases in heart rate Blood pressure and breathing rate. If the stressor lasts more than a very short time, a second system, often called the uh, hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis, shortly known the HPA axis, releases an additional hormone to the adrenaline, and noradrenaline, and this hormone called the cortisol. The cortisol releases extra glucose into the bloodstream for immediate metabolism and energy release. Moreover, cortisol is also involved in stopping or slowing down almost all the physiological processes in the body that do not help fighting off an immediate threat of fleeing from it, such as it slows down or stops completely all the non-essential physiological processes for fighting of the threat of fleeing from it, such as digestion, reproduction, and even the functionality of the immune system. As from a survival perspective, is not the time to fight a bacterial or viral infection that may kill you in a week time if you are unable to survive until tomorrow. So it slows or stops completely. Anything which cannot participate in the immediate and um, uh, necessary a survival reaction of fight or flight. Now after the alarm stage or fight-or-flight stage, the second stage in uh, uh, the model is the resistance stage in the model of how we should look at uh, the stress response. The second uh, a s- stage of the stress response after the fight or flight or we call it the alarm stage is the resistance stage during this stage the body releases less of the alarm stage hormones in response to the threat so th- they will remain uh, <clears throat> they will remain active and the body will Keep secreting them, but at a uh, um, uh, at a lower uh, um, <clears throat> at a lower pace, and uh, uh, they will be secreted um, uh, in less quantities to the bloodstream. In the resistance stage, the heart rate, blood pressure, and breathing are all still elevated to help deliver oxygen and energy quickly throughout the body. But they are subsiding. Imagine you escaped from the hungry lion and you managed to hide under a tree. But you still don't know if the lion will uh, attract you, smell and come catching you. So you keep your body in an alert situation, you're trying to uh, recover your energies but you're still alert and ready to act and go back to the fight or flight. That's how the resistance stage can be imagined. During this (coughs) stage, as we mentioned, non-essential functions such as digestion, growth and reproduction, May resume, but only partially, not completely. This is how the stress response manifests itself to, like, many uh, typical daily life stresses, like covering an absent colleague's work in addition to yours at your job, having a conflict with a friend or getting stuck in traffic. We show these stress responses in our daily lives, but that's the nature of our daily lives. We are not chased by a an angry lion in our daily lives. That's what for us looks as a... Um, difficult to handle situation. We use the same brain of a hunter-gatherer uh, and the same um, hard wiring, which did not change at all, uh, from the hunter-gatherer brains, although their, their brain sizes seem uh, larger, which may, may uh, lead us to uh, presume that they were uh, more intelligent, And actually, they were using their brains uh, to acquire many skills. um, And that is completely different from our highly specialized modern life, in other words we use the uh, um, uh, the brains and the hardwiring of our ancestors to handle our daily lives and we show the same alarm stage and the same resistance stage uh, um, signs and symptoms in our body and in our mind um, but but uh, uh, actually these situations are not, life-threatening as they, uh, uh, they were in our ancestor lives, where they needed these stress responses to survive and face these threats. However, which is a big however, when we use the same stress response in our daily life the same stress response of our ancestors which uh, uh, had emerged to help our ancestors to survive uh, their difficult uh, challenges and struggles to keep alive. We use them sometimes, and we show the stress response continuously. In fact, sometimes the stresses, which we perceive as stresses, like a conflict with a colleague at work or disagreement with your boss, this is stressor and the stress response we show can continue over a long periods of time when the stressor in the uh, uh, form um, takes the form of a continuous threat or a perpetual struggle in our daily lives the personal the private or the professional one this could include many examples as the stress of living in poverty and not being supported adequately by the society, as well as the constant interpersonal conflict like um, the unhappy marriage or intense work pressure. It's. Um, uh, um, uh, a very long list of potential stresses which may lead this um, stress response to be continuous. Now, we mentioned um, um, the alarm stage or fight or flight stage, and the second one is the resistance stage, and now we need to touch on the exhaustion stage. The exhaustion stage, which is the third stage of the stress response in the model we need to imagine to understand how stress response happens, sets in when the threat, which may be either real or perceived, persists for a long time resulting in the body experiencing a prolonged state of physiological and or mental hyperactivation. In the exhaustion stage, the bodily maintenance operations in the body in the brain have been delayed so long in response to stress that the body started to experience extra wear and tear in multiple systems including the cardiovascular, neuroendocrine and immune system and also we will face um, uh, the consequences of exhaustion, the excess of wear and tear within the central nervous system itself in the brain itself, which should be the subject of Um, another talk, How Stress Affects um, uh, the Brain Capabilities and Affects Memory and Higher Mental um, uh, Abilities. Now, prolonged stress, which can uh, um, uh, persist uh, for a longer period, can lead also to a variety of nutritional imbalances such as low magnesium in the body which reduces the body ability to to produce and use energy and also as the body during um, uh, the stress response has been delaying all Uh, and limiting all the uh, essential processes to replenish uh, the, uh, the, the required resources to keep the body working, such as digestion, then the imbalance in nutrients in the body will be exacerbated further and which in turn increases the risk of developing an infection or disease that the body would otherwise typically be able to fight off. If the immune system has not been looked after, has been instructed to limit its activity of producing new white blood cells, new lymphocytes, for example, because it's not the time of uh, thinking about fighting a bacterial infection, which may kill you in a week's time, but you are maybe unable to survive until tomorrow. But this suppressed immune system, if you manage to escape from the lion, your escape will take like maybe half an hour, and then your immune system will recover and you go back to your normal life. But if it's if it's a perpetual, stressful life, continuous, uh, stressful um, uh, cycles, non stopping then the immune system will not recover and your body will be in a compromised situation and you will not be able to uh, fight um um a bacterial or a viral infection as you otherwise would be able to do so in normal situations however this this uh, um uh, f- a phenomenon of compromising the immune system has a very uh, a tragic consequences and uh, detrimental effects on, on our um, health. I, I will mention that during times of stress, most people stop engaging in behaviors that actually promote health, such as exercising, they may also start engaging in behaviors that hurt health such as eating more high fat and sugary foods and drinking alcohol, getting less sleep and so on. These behaviors in turn exacerbate the weakening of the body immune system which in turn increases the risk of developing cancer especially when our body our bodies in our daily modern life are bombarded on daily basis by nasty cocktails of modern life pollutants and unlimited number and amount of carcinogenic man-made chemicals including thousands and thousands of nanoparticles uh, 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 herbicides pesticides and the like which uh, this this subject should be which uh, should be covered in a future talk because it's very essential how these man-made chemicals are compromising are uh, limiting our bodies' abilities to fight off um, foreign bodies and increasing the risk of developing cancer, which is uh, becoming um, a global epidemic, uh, as we we know uh, from reading any a newspaper or listening to any uh, news program uh, these days. <coughs> now I need to uh, come to answering the question which we mentioned earlier in our um, introduction, which is what is the Tend Befriend stress response? It's my favourite when it comes to um, the stress response. More recent findings in the field of human neurophysiology have led to important updates to our understanding of the stress response. For example, in Canon's original fight-or-flight model, which has been developed in the 1900s, this model was updated to include another response in addition to fight-or-flight, fight the threat or flee from it. It, was, it, it The recent research up, uh, uh, led to updating this model to include the possibility of a freeze response in the face of a threat, which means becoming immobile when fighting off or escaping from the threat is rather. Impossible, which seems as an evolutionary adaptation to ease the suffering of facing an inescapable tragic fate. If it is an inescapable tragic fate, then there is no point in stressing the body more and facing this fate with equanimity would be better. Moreover, neurophysiologist Shelley Taylor published a, 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 a very important paper in the year 2000 that shed a light on another approach. So now it's not only fight or flight, but we have freeze response. This paper by she- Shelley Taylor shed a light on another approach to managing stress which involves connecting with others when fighting or fleeing from the threat is not feasible this special type of response which is in my opinion is an extension of the freeze response we mentioned earlier this special type of response which involves connecting with others was called tend and befriend and it was based on a review of rodent primates and human studies showing that evolution had led to a unique gender differences in the stress response between males and females. In her review, Shelley. Taylor noted that fleeing from a stressor would be less viable for a female who is nursing or taking care of an infant or a group of infants. Therefore, the freeze response in this scenario needs an expansion to include what we call the tend and befriend element to ease the emotional <clears throat> and physical pain of facing what is perceived to be, as we said, an inescapable tragic fate. Furthermore, Shaley Taylor also pointed to empirical research showing that during time of stress, women, prefer to connect with other women in addition to their children, whereas men prefer to be alone. That is why some intellectuals have called for more female politicians in the world political arena, in the hope that they will be less inclined to approach the and un, the un, uh, uh, unlimited stresses environment of politics with fight or flight response, but rather, with tend and befriend approach, which may be essential to avoid the risk of descending towards uh, a nuclear catastrophe, a nuclear uh, uh, Armageddon or a nuclear winter because of the contemporary world male politicians who do not know other than the fight response. They don't know flight. They know only fight response when it comes to settling their disagreement or differences so i agree with those intellectuals who want more female politicians ideally uh, all politicians politicians should be females in the hope that they will treat uh uh uh, uh their citizens with tenderness befriend and treat the world with tenderness befriend and save us from the risk of losing our beloved uh, uh, earth and beloved home, which we do not have any other, because of these um, um male politicians who always um use uh, or the first word in the dictionary when they're facing stresses is fight, fight, or fight. Okay, now (coughs) I need to move on now to answering the other question which we listed in the beginning of our discussion which is what are the mental effects of stress and what is the post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a very common problem. The scientific evidence is clear that stress can lead to serious and lasting mental effects, including fear, anger, anxiety, um, sadness, and intense sense of loneliness. Following a trauma, such as serious injury or sexual assault, (coughs) the mental effects can be even more serious. Effects can include intrusive thoughts, difficulty sleeping and feeling of numbness and uh, uh, dissociation. All of these are the mental consequences of facing a severe stress. When when these reactions, any group of these possible reactions occur immediately after the event or at least within the first month, it is known as Acute stress disorder. When the reaction linger longer than a month, or first emerge more than a month after the event, the disorder is known as post-traumatic stress di- disorder, or commonly known as PTSD. Although many people who experience an extreme event develop disruptive symptoms. These symptoms typically fade within days or weeks. But for people with PTSD, these symptoms continue for more than a single month and can become chronic, causing significant distress and difficulty functioning in daily life. They can include severe anxiety, feeling on edge, burst of anger, and constantly reliving the event through memories, flashbacks, and nightmares. Now, um, we need now to Um, move to answering the other question we um, uh, listed in um, our list of questions we're trying to answer today, which is what is the transactional theory of stress and coping, which is related to um, uh, PTSD. Interestingly among people who all experience the same traumatic event to the same degree, the risk of experiencing PTSD varies. The idea of the transactional theory is that different people can experience and react to the same stressful event in very uh, different ways. This idea led to a new theory in brain physiology called the Transactional Theory of Stress and Coping. This theory, which was developed by uh, uh, a scientist called Richard Lazarus in the 1960s, says that the meaning of a particular event is a sort of a personal transaction with the environment and it is not of the same quantity and quality for the uh, for everyone. <clears throat> In fact, this individual and uniquely perceived meaning of any particular stressful event is regarded as a more important predictor of the experience of stress than the magnitude of the actual stressful event itself. Which means, in other words, that what we, uh, that what decides uh, the severity and magnitude of a stressful event you face is not actual, uh, actual, uh, the actuality of the event itself, but how you perceive it how you look at it, how you mentally apprehend this stressful event. Furthermore, according to this theory, the amount of stress people experience is based on their assessment of two factors, which are two factors. The first is Their assessment of the stressors, which is called the primary appraisal, they assess what is the stressor, as well as, which is the second part uh, of their assessment, which is the assessment of the resources they have to cope with uh, this stressor, which is called the secondary appraisal. And as a result of these two appraisals, the subjective quantification of the stress magnitude would be mentally formulated. Now, I think um, um, I've given you enough uh, to understand um, what is stress and how the body reacts to stress. And now I should uh, uh, come uh, to uh, um, uh, to conclude the talk today by answering the final and most important question today, which is what are the best scientific approaches to cope with stress? Well, okay, while different people can react to the same stress in different ways we all tend to view stress as an inescapable and non-threatening part of our daily lives however for some of us stress can be seen as invigorating and energizing And stress for those people gives the body extra energy through the increase of stress hormones in the bloodstream, adrenaline or adrenaline and cortisol, as we mentioned earlier, which in turn for those people uh, boosts their body's ability to respond effectively to various daily challenges. Well, some people see it non-threatening, some people see it capable part of daily life, some people see stress as challenge and they enjoy the stress they 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 like the boost of adrenaline they feel energetic because of the adrenaline. nonetheless, we should not forget at all the detrimental effects of falling in the trap of chronic increase of stress hormones in our bodies which may lead to a plethora of serious body ailments as we discussed earlier. And on the top of them I need to repeat the cardiovascular diseases including um, heart attacks and sudden heart arrest and the risk of developing cancer. Now. We may we uh, may agree that stress is a, a, a unavoidable in uh, our daily lives. But we can choose, it's our choice to respond to stressful situation in a new way, which could be, which could be, by changing our thoughts and behaviors in ways that reduce its detrimental effects on our happiness, well-being and overall health. Moreover, it is important always to keep in mind that all stresses are not the same and different strategies can be tailored for managing uh, different stresses. People who learn Uh, different approaches and strategies to cope with stress are better uh, equipped to manage the excess of stresses they face every day. And now I'll try to discuss uh, some of the scientifically proven stress reduction strategies which are the result of long and comprehensive empirical research. The first approach is to learn how to calm your sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system which is always activated as soon as you perceive a threat. But you need to try to learn how to calm this sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system before it is in overdrive situation, in order to put a break on its hyper-response during stressful conditions. As we learned earlier, stress leads to bad health outcomes because uh, 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 precisely it creates physiological arousal and increase the level of cortisol uh, which exerts uh, um, additional wear and tear on the body and suppresses the immune system. A countermeasure to tame the, uh, uh, the sympathetic uh, branch of your autonomic uh, uh, nervous system can be uh, relaxation techniques like deep deep, uh, abdominal slow breathing and uh, this deep abdominal slow breathing uh, involves learning how to uh, uh, breathe from the diaphragm in a manner that leads to the expansion of the belly, the tummy but not the chest. Chest breathing is essential part of fight or flight. Abdominal breathing which is uh, 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 um, taking breath and breathing from the belly, the tummy, is a relaxation, is a counter uh, measure to the fight or flight. In Um, I'll try to explain how it works briefly. Um, In abdominal breathing, the belly move, the bellies move upward and inward. And when you inhale and exhale, should be about four fingers. So the belly should move upward and inward about four or five fingers. The chest, uh, 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 the chest, should not uh, move by um, uh, this distance or ideally it should be uh, not moving at all so the move the diaphragm would be extending your belly and ideally while you're practicing uh, a, a deep abdominal breathing you should try to inhale from your nose and exhale from your mouth as slow. as as possible. Slowly take uh, uh, the breath from your (coughs) uh, 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 nose and exhale from your mouth. You may need to aim for about 20 to 40 breathing cycles to be successful in taming your sympathetic nervous system. Likewise you can try uh, the techniques of uh, uh, progressive muscle relaxation and meditation which may need extensive demonstration to us understand how they work therefore I leave uh, these two techniques um, uh, progressive mo- muscle relaxation and meditation to you as a homework to read about uh, them um, uh, and these techniques, um, along with uh, deep uh, abdominal breathing, may be very helpful in terminating the fight or flight response in your body and uh, break the vicious cycle of chronic stress. The, sec- the second approach, a scientific approach, uh, to cope with stress is try to modify your mindset uh, for perceiving stress. We mentioned this point several uh, at several phases of our talk today. Uh, It is always helpful to try to save uh, one's real stress response for things that are literally life or death and not the relatively small hassles of the daily life. This requires Changing of your definition of what really matters in the grand scheme of your life, and what is trivial, and will not be remembered uh, the following day or after a year. One technique is they—it's called the uh, um, uh, time uh, time flight. If you see um, 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 a stressful. Um, or a stressor coming and you are going to face it you may need to imagine yourself traveling in time like two or three days forward and then um, uh, after two or three days time how are you going to look at this event will it be essential like if you're struggling uh, um, or stuck in traffic jam will you remember this if the answer is no then then there is no point in triggering your uh, stress response because this is trivial is not life or death is not it's not something will be remembered in your grand scheme of your life so um, um, that is that is um, how you can try to Uh, modify and reorganize your mindset for perceiving stress. The third approach to reduce stress is to widen your social support network. I'll repeat it. You need to widen your, your social support network and that will help Uh, greatly in uh, um, uh, helping you to cope with the stress. In fact, you need to have good friends with whom you can share and ventilate your stresses and they can do the same with you. Research shows that people with wider social support network are better able to cope With minor and major stresses of daily life, they also live longer and have happier lives. And I'm sure uh, um, that some people who think that uh, uh, individuality is the supreme motto of their life will not like this principle, but all uh, the scientific research um, uh, points to the fact that human beings are social animals and they need to be uh, uh, active members within their society and the society is the only um, or the, um, the strongest uh, support for their mental uh, health and well-being and maybe it would be prudent to try first if somebody suffers from chronic stress and perpetual vicious cycles of stress to widen the, the social support network. And by this, they, it would be the first step towards uh, reducing or breaking these uh, vicious cycles. The fourth approach for reducing stress we uh, we will discuss today um, is trying to look for any silver lining. In other words, try to be um, uh, positive. Uh, it is possible for us to think about moderate level of acute stress in a new, uh, more positive way, which can be like looking at them as a sort of new challenges from which we will gain experience and strength, contrary to perceiving them just as exhausting and debilitating events. The process of uh, a positively reframing stressful situations to find something positive in them cannot happen automatically, but it may happen successfully and become easier with a regular uh, deliberate effort to maintain this positive reframing perspective when it comes to perceiving stress. The fifth and final approach we will touch on today is to try to find some people who tend to see things from a more optimistic perspective and try to emulate their reaction to stressful situations. It is scientifically proven that positivity is contagious in a good way, and when you surround yourself with people who have positive mindset, then it would be easier for you to adapt a similar mindset to theirs. Well, um, I wish that I managed today to provide you with some helpful information. And I look forward to meeting up with you again um, in um, the near future. And until then, please accept my warmest regards and my pure wishes that you will be able to uh, live your life uh, um, stress-free and you will be able to use the information I presented today to uh, maximize and enrich and nurture your overall sense of Um, well-being. I wish you all the best and I hope that I will be able to be in touch with you in the near future. Goodbye.